Well, I want to thank Aubrey for inviting me, and uh, thank you all for coming. I think this is a great thing that you do here in Harrisonburg. This is a, uh, a, a wonderful ministry to the city of Harrisonburg and a ministry to Christians. Um, I think that these were two excellent talks. Uh, I affirm most of what was said. Um, you know, it wouldn't be interesting if I agreed with everything. Um, I, I, I love Craig's emphasis on, of course, the church as kingdom, as the reign of God, as, as Mark affirmed. The church is gathered. The church is scattered. The church is a sign in the world. Uh, the church as only full-time servants. Um, now, now, I think there is a called ministry. God calls his full-time servants uh, to different offices, and he calls some um, to, the, to the work of ministry on Sunday to recharge the batteries of everybody, as Craig put it. Um, uh, I love Mark's emphasis on the Sermon on the Mount. I, I think it particularly needs to be lifted up, and I'm probably preaching mostly to the choir here. But in an American Christianity that is increasingly antinomian and increasingly, at least on the Protestant side, both liberal and evangelical, has the idea that as long as I believe in my head that Jesus died for my sins, then I may not say so explicitly, but... I sort of think deep down inside that I can live like the devil because after all, it's Jesus' job to forgive me. And we do need a re-emphasis on Jesus' law. Law has become a dirty word in the church. The church has wrongly thought that Christ came to free us from the law. When the New Testament says anything but that, Christ came to free us from wrong notions of the law, but not the law, either Torah or his own law. Uh, Michael McClymond, a co-author of mine and good friend, found 800 separate commandments in the New Testament. And someday he's going to write a book about that. So we need a re-elevation of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and I agree with Mark, to combat the rampant sentimentalism in our churches. Now, uh, do we need a theory to connect uh, church to society, the kingdom of God to society? Um, Trost was certainly wrong. Trost didn't know his Bible very well. I mean, to say that the Bible has little to do, has nothing to do with society. It's all about the religious realm, you know, to get me to heaven, so to speak. But... And, and certainly the gospel is theopolitical. You know, the gospel involves all of life. And politics, which in the long run, you know, politics as traditionally understood, and, and the long run, as Jonathan Edwards taught, is relatively insignificant. The conversion of one soul, Jonathan Edwards said, is infinitely more significant and more powerful in the long run than all the things kings and presidents can tell us and do. But I think how to understand the Sermon on the Mount is not self-evident, as church history has shown. 
Uh, you know, Christian uh, uh, churches have divided over what the Sermon on the Mount means. Is the Sermon on the Mount the prism through which we view the whole Bible? Well, the Anabaptist tradition says yes, and I respect them for it. Now, I respectfully disagree. I don't think there's anything in the Bible that says that the, that the Sermon on the Mount is the prism through which we read the rest of the Bible, and that every, everything else in the Bible is to be brought to the Sermon on the Mount as its a prism. Um, so, therefore, you know, Craig talked about uh, the two kingdoms, uh, Martin Luther's um, view of the two kingdoms, which can easily be misused and misinterpreted uh, in horrible ways. But I think um, the Bonhoeffer is a good illustration here. Now, Bonhoeffer was not your ordinary pacifist. I mean, after all, Bonhoeffer tried to assassinate a head of state. And that's not pure pacifism. Uh, so, so, so you can't, so when he says we need to work for peace, you know, there needs to be a little footnote at the bottom. Um, uh, now, um, I'd also say that I really, though, think that you know, John Howard Yoder and the Anabaptist you know, Mennonite tradition has really got it right in a lot of ways that the rest of us non-Mennonites and non-Anabaptist tradition folks, more mainstream Catholic and Protestant traditions need to learn from, and that is that the best way, I think, for the church to be in the world is to be the church, as Yoder famously put it. But, you know, but what does that mean, of course? Well, um, it... It meant for the early church uh, to be a witness, which, which, if you're really witnessing, you know, honestly, uh, doing the kind of submission to not only the Sermon on the Mount but the rest of Scripture that that both Mark and Craig were talking about, there's going to be tension. I think that's the word that Craig used. You know, the word for witness in Greek is martyros, martyr. And in the early church, there were thousands and thousands of witnesses who went all the way. They so witnessed, they refused to give up their testimony, and they were martyred. And, of course, around the world, it's still going on, uh, big time. Many, many are, are witnessing to the point of death today in churches around the world that are far less comfortable than we are here in Virginia as, as Christians. So I think that if we're going to be witness in this, in this culture that is increasingly turning against historic Christianity and historic Christian witness, that we need to be ready for conflict. And in fact, maybe, as I think Craig suggested, maybe if we're not experiencing any conflict in our careers as full-time servants, we're all full-time servants of the gospel, then maybe that's a sign that we're not doing the kind of witnessing that we ought to be doing. Uh, uh, bearing witness, bearing testimony. You know, um, Saren Kierkegaard and, and uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn both said that the rarest virtue today, and of course they were talking 19th century, 20th century, is courage. 
course, all these witnesses who bore witness with their lives had courage, and there are many thousands around the world today who are doing that. Um, You know, today, the cutting edge of the cultural debate is over the meaning of sex and marriage. Now, Christians have something to say about that, and they ought to. They ought to speak up. And Bonhoeffer said the big problem was fear. The big problem, I think, in our churches today also is fear. We need to speak up, as Bonhoeffer quoted Proverbs 31, um, um, for the unborn in a society. More and more wanting to use your tax dollars and my tax dollars to fund abortions in this country and overseas. We need to speak up for religious freedom when it's being taken away week by week, month by month, even in this country. Um, but we, we must do this, this, um, this witness-bearing that will bring conflict. It will get us into trouble with joy, not with gloom and depression, but with joy. Um, I love what Craig said. God is not a hopeful deity, hoping against hope that somehow those Christians down there on earth will just get it right and do what I want them to do. God is the sovereign Lord of the cosmos. He's the God of infinite power and infinite happiness. Now, that's something my boy Jonathan Edwards and Bob Brown's boy Jonathan Edwards really emphasize. God God has infinite happiness. God is not frustrated one iota. And God is a God of infinite beauty. And so as we bear witness in the world, let us bear witness with joy to the God of infinite beauty and infinite happiness and be willing to speak up in a climate of fear and let the let things fall where they might fall.